Jazz pianist, composer, and Grammy Award-winning arranger Bill Cunliffe began his career as pianist and arranger with the Buddy Rich Big Band and went on to work with Frank Sinatra, Freddie Hubbard, and many others. Bill is the professor of jazz studies at Cal State Fullerton in California and continues to write, arrange, and tour. I was fortunate to be part of his busy schedule, grabbing him for a conversation as part of my annual three-day festival on Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Bill and I talked about his musical life and played to a gathering of jazz enthusiasts. Today is the first of our two-part conversation. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You were saying earlier that people have a view of what a jazz musician in Los Angeles does, and they just assume that you're in the studios all the time. Talk about just how you live your life as a jazz musician. Well, I think I'm, I'm typical in a lot of ways in that I do more than one thing, and I think that uh, we all as jazz musicians have to adapt to the way the world is today. And I, I kind of noticed that now that I'm in sort of mid-career, that everyone around me seems to be really taking care of business and really um, very kind of efficient and show up at the airport on time and people aren't late to the gigs. When I was a kid, I don't remember it being like that. I remember we were all sort of knuckleheads. <laughs> and I think the knuckleheads have been weeded out. I think all, the ones that are left are the people that, that showed up on time. So Woody Allen, you know, part of life is showing up. Um, I'm typical uh, as a jazz musician in that I live in a city, I teach at a college, and I go on the road sometimes. And I think we all do that. Uh, most, most people teach now. Um, I like teaching because I didn't have any kids of my own. The jazz joke is, not to my knowledge. <laughs> but it's true in This my is an case. NPR show. Keep it clean. So... My kids are great. I, I teach at Cal State Fullerton, and that's a, I would say, a very typical large state school. And it's a place where the kids, they live in a big city, and, and that's really great because there's lots of gigs. So the kids are working. I mean, they've, there are all these gigs that, you know, George Bush used to talk about gigs that Americans wouldn't do. Well, the, my kids do lots of gigs that adults wouldn't do. <laughs> you know, they're all kinds of little salsa bands. And some of the guys are in Shenyang, that, that uh, Chinese traveling show. And they had some really funny stories about that, which I won't repeat here. And uh, the kids are working, and they're very enthusiastic. And they're, they're finding out about all kinds of music. I had a little girl come in one day with a 78 RPM phonograph, and she started playing me Louis Armstrong's Hot Five. And she was a 19-year-old clarinet player. So, I mean, you're, you're constantly surprised by kids, and that part of my life is really, really fun. Uh, of course, schools have bureaucracy and meetings and forms you have to fill out, but that's part of living today, I think, in... In this computer era, we all have to deal with bureaucracy, and that's not the most fun part, but you have to suck it up and uh, realize that you're here for the kids and you're here for the music.
the complaint that I get from a lot of musicians, that they feel that the younger people coming up playing lots of notes, but they don't have soul. That's the short way of putting it, that they feel that the jazz education is teaching, um, you know, playing lots of scales, learn lots of things. They all have fantastic technique, but they haven't learned it in the way a lot of us did because it's so accessible. They can go online, they get these things very easily, they can get transcriptions of music. How do you feel about that? Because you're in the thick of it. You are teaching these kids. Is that true? Well, I think that a lot of what you said is true. Um, especially in the early days of jazz education, it was all done by books. If you, I would, when, when I first started teaching in the 80s, kids would bring in all these books, and they would say, I want to learn how to play jazz. These are my books. And I would tell him very nicely, put all these books away, find two or three records that you really love, and listen to them over and over and over and over again. And uh, one of the great things about YouTube is that a kid like Joey Alexander in Indonesia can get on the computer at the age of five and listen over and over and over again to Herbie Hancock or John Coltrane or Oscar Peterson and learn how to play. And that's actually the most natural, to me, honest way of, of learning mm. is, is, is by copying by ear. So you still feel that way, that that is? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's very different. And sort of for our audience, to fully grasp that... I think of it as the difference between learning uh, a foreign language just by learning the grammar as opposed to talking to someone and getting the nuance of it and talking over and stumbling and making mistakes like we do in jazz. Sure. But we learn how to get around that. Well, I'm, I'm learning um, Spanish in my car. And it's just this Pimsleur method. Uh, I don't work for them, uh, so this is not a commercial. <laughs> but... There's really almost no grammar in it. They just give you phrases, and you repeat them over, and then they build them up, and, and they pick the easiest things first, you know, the, the, the easiest verbs, the ones without exceptions. They, te- they figured out what are the things that if you learn them, donde está el baño, you got to know that one, right? That's maybe the most important phrase. So, yeah, it's all, and I can do it in my car, and I, I don't miss the exit on the freeway because it's not that labor-intensive <laughs> if you just... Play it over and over again, it happens. And I think guys like Witten Marcellus were very good at saying, you know, it's, it's not just about the notes. It's about the feel. It's about the sound. It's about the group. Um, he actually tells students that you shouldn't even write down your transcriptions. You should do it without writing it down. Oh, at all. I like that. Um, I love to write it down because then I could take it home and slice and dice it and, and do things. And you're it. also learning another skill by writing it down as well. That's true. But when you write it down, you don't exactly write it correctly because you can't. Uh, the way Herbie Hancock or Tommy Flanagan plays an eighth note line going up, you know, it's phrased slightly differently than when it's going down. The way you write a voicing, maybe this note you play softer than this note. It's impossible to notate all that stuff. So if a student isn't learning it by ear, he's not really, he or she is not learning how to play.
my guest, Bill Cunliffe, on Stolen Moments from his CD, The Blues and the Abstract Truth. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Today's program was recorded on stage on Kiowa Island in South Carolina as part of our annual Jazz Inspired from Kiowa Island Festival. We were just talking before we walked up here, and many of you have heard me play, and you know that my big influence, one of my big influences is Fats Waller, and you were saying how much fun it would be to do a two-piano concert together someday because you're also a big fan of Fats. But we play very differently, and I think that's what's so special about jazz is I was looking at your list of 10 most influential top jazz pianists, and they were the same ones I would choose, and it's interesting, so we have very similar influences, but because we listen in, in an individual way, and our education is different how we come at it, we took from those things very different things, some of the similar things, but that's what makes it so great, because in jazz it's all about how you sound in an original way, how you make your own style. Well, and my students sometimes don't want to copy because they're afraid it will dampen their originality. Mm. But the truth is, is that you can't speak a language until you learn the vocabulary. And the vocabulary of jazz, my students, for example, one of my favorite pianists today is Brad Meldow, and all, a lot of my kids want to sound like Brad Meldow. So they come in and they play what they think are some Brad Meldow mannerisms that they've learned. And I said, well, that doesn't sound like Brad Meldow at all. You're not going to learn how to play Brad Meldow by studying Brad Meldow. You've got to study who he studied. Mm. Because when I first, I used to work a lot with Holly Hoffman, the flute player. And we opened up for Joshua Redman a few times during the summer of 91 or something. And Brad Meldow sounded like Bill Evans, and he sounded like McCoy Tyner, and he sounded like Herbie Hancock, and he sounded like Tommy Flanagan. He sounded like all the piano players I think you should listen to. <laughs> so it's only by acquiring a vocabulary can you speak a language. Right, So exactly. you really, and I think Fats Waller is, is, I think Fats Waller is one of those particular piano players that when you learn how to play like Fats, you learn how to play like everyone from that era, because he uses a vocabulary. He borrowed from James P. He borrowed from Jelly Roll. He even borrowed from Joplin. And, and really, for me, the greatest pianist of all time, Art Tatum, borrowed from Fats Waller. Mm -hmm. So Fats also was a terrific singer and songwriter. So I think that with all of that, you get something else that's deeper with Fats. I think he's really, really important. Lula's back in town. Bye, bye, bye. Yes, yes, yes. 
and press Gotta sew a button on my vest Cause tonight I've got to look my best Do look back in town Gotta get a half a buck somewhere Gotta shine my shoes and slick my hair Got to get my soul bootin' there Lulu's back in town You can tell all my pets All my Harlem coquettes Mr. Otis regrets That he won't be around You can tell the mailman not to call I ain't coming home until the fall And again I might not get back home at all Lulu's back in town Yeah Fats Waller's recording of Lulu's Back in Town. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I know for myself, I noticed when I was listening to a lot of Fats Waller, he would play certain things much faster than I would, and I could physically play it that fast, but it didn't groove for me that fast. And I started thinking about it. It wasn't just the way he felt it. It's that his, my hands are big, but his hands are gigantic. We're gigantic. So he was playing in a very different way. He just approached the piano. It would be impossible for me to play it like that no matter how I did it. So there's all those things. I, I always say that to students, too, that they don't have to worry about sounding just like those people because they won't. No, that's true. But the attempt to find their style through copying others, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Exactly. We, we are sort of in an age where we all want to be original. And one of the ways to be original, I mean, Dave Levin actually said it perfectly when he came to Fullerton, Cal State, where I teach. And he said, I want you all my students to slice and dice Michael Brecker, Zoot Sims, Al Cohn, John Coltrane, Steve Grossman, blah, blah, blah. Then when you leave here, you throw it all out the window. Yeah. You forget about everything. You have graduated. You become you. And, and I, I think that's a real refreshing, because it's a job then. And when it's a job, you're not so, so self-critical. Oh, am I imitating the right people? You know, when I went to Eastman... I was really into Oscar, and I was into Bud Powell, and I was into Wynton Kelly, and I was into Bill Evans. All my friends were into McCoy Tyner, Chick Corea, and Herbie Hancock, and Richie Byrack. I felt left out. But I also really liked all of those players, so I learned how to sound like them, too. And now I don't really sound like any of them. I, I sound like, sort of like what I would be if I could be original. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a tautology. How can you... At a certain point, everyone sounds original. Right, every, exactly. Who you are becomes what you play like. Exactly. Well, I want to hear how you play. Will you play something for us? Sure. I'm kind of head over heels in love with a 
pianist composer um, named Billy Strayhorn. And uh, he was Duke Ellington's right-hand man for a very long time. And uh, this is, this is a, he, he had a morbid sense of humor. And he wrote songs like Upper Manhattan Medical Group, where he went for treatment. And he also wrote a very beautiful song that's one of my favorite ballads. It's called Blood Count.
Bill Cunliffe on Blood Count. Recorded on stage at the Jazz Inspired from Kiowa Island Festival in February 2016. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazzinspired.com. Today's program was recorded in front of an audience on Kiowa Island in South Carolina as part of our three-day annual Jazz Inspired from Kiowa Island Festival. My guest is pianist Bill Cunliffe. Here playing You and the Night and the Music from his CD, River Edge, New Jersey.
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is pianist Bill Cunliffe. I recently did an album of tunes. Um, it, it, was, it was a project I did for Yamaha about 15 years ago for their Disc Clavier project. And it's um, children's songs, but it's not children's songs really specifically for children. It's more children's songs that adults know and like and might want to teach to their kids. And uh, one of these is by uh, Frank Churchill, one of the great writers of uh, tunes for Walt Disney. And this is called Whistle While You Work. See, I knew you would know that one. Thank you. 
Well, you've given me two great transitions because I get to tell you two things. One that you may know about me, that I worked at Disneyland. That was one of my first piano jobs. The other is that I went to Cal State Fullerton. So you're teaching at my really? alma mater. But to show you how wow. different, yes, you didn't how know How long that. did you go? I went for, well, I started working as a jazz musician. I was a German major. I wasn't in the jazz, there wasn't a jazz studies program sure, sure, when sure. I went there. So yeah. Wow. So I was, but that shows you the different paths of musicians, which I love. You're at Cal State as, a, as the professor of jazz studies. And when I went there, when I lived in California, when I was growing up, I was a German major, wow. and like so many, I, I started gigging, and so I did my, nah, with German. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love this, and this, somebody who lives in California will find this funny, that I grew up in a place called Pico Rivera, and so my high school graduating class was 80% Mexican, so everyone spoke Spanish. So I thought Spanish was very, uh, everybody speaks Spanish, so I took German. How happy am I now that I don't speak Spanish, and I do speak German? <laughs> Yeah, we don't always make the right moves early in life, as you know. So, mm. Well, you know, we are not a product necessarily of our decisions. We, uh, uh, my wife, is uh, Wanda, is, she's always sending me these little things she gets off the Internet. And one of them is that you, you have to forgive yourself for the decisions you made that may not have turned out the way you wanted them to. Uh. Because you are not just your decisions. Oh, okay. So yeah. the fact that I'm speaking German and not Spanish, I shouldn't, that shouldn't bother me. No, <laughs> it, it indicated you had a particular interest in I had pursuing it uh, maybe, you know, is, has German been of any use to you at all in your life? Well, when I've been in Germany. Well, there you go. <laughs> They've been very impressed. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very funny. I want to ask you about, about space, because you and I were talking about that. That's a big subject, and I know something interesting, because you played... Two very you approach those two tunes very differently, and talk about that because that's such an important subject. I think people, one of the things I hear with young players a lot that you always hope they'll they'll mature is a lot of notes, rather mm -hmm. than understanding that you're using the space and the notes around that as well. So talk about that. I think that's an interesting subject in music. Oh, I do too because um, there are. There's music that uses space to create great effect. And I think you think about some of those slow movements of Beethoven symphonies, like the Eroica. It, it seems back then it must have taken forever because the average symphony was about 25 minutes. And here's the Eroica, which is like 40 minutes. And the, the Adagio is boom, boom, boom. It's very slow and just a lot of space between the notes. And I, I got a chance to work a little bit with uh, Mike Brecker. Uh, one of the great, great, I was such an honor and a thrill to work with him. And he always said that he had an eighth note line going in his brain every minute of his life. And I do too. Yeah. And what you want to do, you don't want to always play the eighth notes because all of a sudden you sound like an automaton because everyone knows you're talking all the time. You never stop to listen to anything. It's very boring. But one time I met Wayne Shorter and I was like, hi, Wayne, how are you? He looked at me and he nodded and he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the use of space is, is kind of what can create greatness. Because if you're listening as much as you're playing, then something really great can happen in the music. Mm. Um, 
So that's tough when you're playing solo piano. That's really tough to not overplay. Yeah. I mean, if I had a chance to listen to what I just did, I'd probably, I'd probably take a few notes out. I'd probably go, well, you know. Nah, it was perfect. You were nervous. So I, think, I do think it's important to, um, to listen to yourself, to edit your playing, mm. to at a certain point say, don't need to play all these notes right now. Mm. I had a great gift with a trumpet player and a cornet player, Warren Vachey, who you might oh, know. I love Warren. Many yeah. years ago, I was playing away, and my style, of course, is, is very dense pianistically with the stride. And he said, and he leaned over and he said, don't play left hand. And I, I had come up that way learning. I, I, it's so locked into me playing my, with left hand. And I could only last a measure, and I tried to play and just stop my left hand from playing. So I lasted about a measure, and it, it made me too nervous. But I started practicing it because it was very different for me because I hadn't, I didn't have a bass player to do it. Now I can play whole choruses without doing it. But it was very interesting at the time because it was early in my career. It was early in my playing career, and I didn't have a formal uh, music education. So I was learning from records mm. and learning that style. But it's very interesting because it was specifically about space. He was saying, let there be that space and see sure. what happens. Sure. Uh, if you ever see Dave Liebman play, he will play, and then he will turn around and look at the rhythm section like, you answer me. It's a conversation all the time with him. Oh, and, yeah. And that's really cool. I which like is really important, which that. we should have the rhythm section come up here. Well, sure. our rhythm section, we have sax and bass. And I was thinking we could get Pat O'Leary, who's going over there and grabbing, on bass. Feel free to applaud. And that is trailing him on tenor sax is Harry Allen. One of your favorites is Bill Evans, and one of my favorites as well. Me too. Yeah, so I'm, I know that he's been an inspiration for you as well. So I wanted the three of you to play something, play whatever you like, but sort of keep Bill in mind. Okay, great. Um, Harry, what do you think? You want to do um, nobody else but me? Sure. Um, Bill recorded this tune. This is, I believe, the last tune Jerome Kern ever wrote. And it's called Nobody Else But Me.
Thank you. 
You've been listening to the first half of my two-part conversation with pianist Bill Cunliffe, recorded on stage as part of our three-day annual Jazz Inspired from Kiowa Island Festival. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one. From my CD, High on Fats, and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love for my CD trio. I'm on piano with my Cashmon sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and Sons and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel in Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. Today's program was made possible in part with a generous grant from the town of Kiowa Island Cultural Events Fund. My guest today was pianist Bill Cunliffe. Here is a track from his delightful CD, Playground Swing. <laughs> ¶¶ 